Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're kindly joined by the Chief Investment Officer of GXO, Mark Manduka. Mark, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Hey, thank you, Jonathan. Really appreciate your time. So we're going to be discussing all things logistics, the automation of logistics and and the future of warehousing with Mark. Now, um, one of the main reasons that we have Mark on the podcast today is um, quite an interesting corporate move uh, at the company he's currently at. Um, GXO is being spun out of XBO uh, Logistics listed in the United States. So before we get into it, Mark, would you be able to give us a brief introduction to, first of all, your, yourself, your, your role at GXO and the relationship between GXO and XBO Logistics? Absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm Chief Investment Officer, which, which carries many hats, particularly uh, on both the investor and media side of the company. Uh, very excited to be a, at such a great company. The energy uh, at this company is phenomenal, and as you said, we're really proud to be to be showcasing this fabulous asset to investors post our Form Ten, which it's the clearest signpost yet that we're uh, we're on track uh, to spin out our warehousing business, our contract logistics business, which makes up broadly around thirty five percent of the revenues. Of, uh, of, of, of core XBO. So if you think about XBO, XBO is a business with three major lines of business uh, alongside some smaller lines, and in particular, brokerage, LTL, and contract logistics. And it's that contract logistics portion that we're spinning out in the third quarter of this year under the new company called GXO. Uh, so very excited to be doing that. And just, just to say, I mean, some spin-offs in the past, you, you can sometimes see sort of good company, bad company. And I think once your, your listeners look at the numbers, you'll see that this is great company spinning out great company. So we're, we're very excited. Fantastic. So we're going to talk more about contract logistics and details and how uh, automation is changing that later on in, uh, in the podcast. But Mark, let, let's just start off with, with looking at the business uh, from quite a top level. Um, you had some figures out earlier on this year, um, which really jumped out at me because looking at uh, the overall figures for, for XPO, um, highest of any quarter, um, up 24% on the previous year. What's very interesting for me in that is that particular um, quarter was before the worst impact of uh, of COVID nineteen. So your business has performed particularly strongly uh, during this period. What's driving this, Mark, uh, at the moment? Well, it's strength across all three lines of business that I talked about. So if you if you think about uh, XBO, more recently we put out a a new range of of twenty twenty one adjusted EBITDA. Uh, guidance, you, you will have seen uh, the, the 32 to 36% above 2020 levels. And that's effectively comprised of 28 to 32% of adjusted EBITDA growth in the logistics segment. So that's that's my portion. And then the 32 to 36% growth in the transportation segment, effectively the Remainco. Now, to that point, we are also at the logistics side of things, putting out strong 2022 guidance as well, which is what we put out as part of our supplementary pack with the Form 10. 
We're saying to the market that we're going to do adjusted EBITDA in the logistics segment, so in effect, soon to be GXO, adjusted EBITDA of $700 million to $735 million. And that reflects 14 to 20% growth uh, in 2022 over 2021 levels. So it tells you that this is not just a post-pandemic jump. It tells you that there's something secular going on here. We've got two years on the trot, extremely strong growth coming. So we're very excited. So, Mark, let's touch on now the the, the spin-off and, and the reasoning be, behind the, the spin-off. Because this is something that's been in the pipeline for some time. Um, and we're obviously now coming through, and as you mentioned, there are fantastic figures um, from, from XBO. What, what's the main driver between making this move to spin-off uh, GXO from XBO Logistics? I think after the spin, each company both core XBO and and future GXO, um, will have arguably a more attractively valued pure play equity currency, both to attract talent with and to engage in accretive strategic transactions. Moreover, I think each company will then be able to tailor its capital structure and capital allocation to uh, its own strategic priorities. And in the case of GXO, uh, will also be investment grade credit rated from day one. So we're very excited about that, in effect, effect, ring-fencing the businesses. And there's also an element here of of a goal of driving this bin to benefit GXO and XBO stakeholders by unlocking trapped equity value. And I think, to be precise, we expect each business to trade at a sharp premium to to XBO's current multiple. There is... there's a lot of value trapped within this business. And I think the separation will cast a very bright light on that extremely strong value. So, Mark, now I want to talk around contract logistics, uh, which GXO are going to be specialising. Having a look and preparing for uh, this conversation, there's some very interesting projects that you've been working on, um, in particular, a a fully automated digital warehouse in the UK uh, in partnership with, with Nestle. Um, I've been looking around and seeing things with autonomous forklift trucks. So this is obviously something that's very much looking to the future of uh, of logistics. Would you be able to give us a little bit more detail on some of the projects that GXO are going to be working on specifically? I know you've been investing quite heavily in technology over the last few years. And, and maybe give us some details about some of these technologies that you've been working on um, and that are going to be operating within um, GXO. Absolutely, Jonathan. I mean, there's there's three major tenants uh, to be aware of within our secular growth drivers that are underpinning the, the, the phenomenal growth that I talked to you about, not just this year, but next year within our GXO business. Firstly, e-commerce, which clearly has technological links, automation, which we'll talk about together, and outsourcing. And those three drivers are coalescing like they never have done before. And they all suit exactly where we are in the market at this moment in time. We're very much an e-commerce focused business uh, in this highly fragmented market. And what I see technology doing to this industry in the next 10 years is, in effect, what you'll see is this flywheel effect where contracts will gravitate up towards the scale players, the ones that are multinational in nature. So can win the contract in Leicester, as you referred to in the warehouse of the future, alongside winning the contract in Indiana, the ability to win multiple contracts in multiple jurisdictions, having a strong balance sheet, as I mentioned at the start, and also being technologically advanced overall. 
And if you can offer customers those four things, I think you're going to come out on top. That's really going to be the underpinning uh, of, uh, of, of, of our growth and our competitive advantage. And let's just take a step back. What are we best in class at? As a business, with our 900 or so warehouses across 27 countries, 100,000 people, I think as a business, we are best in class. And I visited a number and number of warehouses in the last uh, few months to, to give me credence on this, which is I think we're best in class at standing up complex, technologically advanced supply chain solutions at speed and at scale for our customers. That for me drives our competitive advantage. When it comes to thinking about your point on technology, technology is something that I, I think we are one of the, if not the leaders on in this contract logistics market. And specifically, what I like about the business um, that we're running is that it includes so many different lines of, of, of new age technology that we run extremely well, whether it's on the robotic side, whether it's the goods to person systems, the wearable technology that we have in our warehouses. And on the software side as well, we've developed a proprietary software tool called XBO Smart, which drives significant labor productivity for our customers, on average about 5 to 7% savings. So I believe having visited these warehouses and seen this firsthand and studied the operation in depth, I believe we're experts at integrating robotic solutions on a customized basis for our customers and driving efficiencies across the entire supply chain solution that we, that we offer. So it's a very interesting time. It means cost savings for customers. It means efficiency savings for customers. Uh, and I think we're at the leading edge of things. I just want to come back to something you mentioned there, which is particularly interesting for me, Mark, with uh, the e-commerce side of things. Now, of course, during the, the, the pandemic, um, you know, anybody um, working from home will, will know um, how things have, have shifted and a lot of people are in terms of, you know, shopping and having things delivered to your door. I mean, is this something, Mark, that you found that actually became a major part of your business during the pandemic, primarily because of the pandemic? Or is this something in terms of e-commerce that you had a strategic um, view to move into before we even know about COVID-19? We've, we've always had our backbone focused more on the consumer uh, than on the industrial end markets. That said, we're good at both for our customers. And what I would say about e-commerce to address your, your question specifically is that we've built a leading position in e-commerce with about 40% of our revenues um, from both omni-channel retail and e-com. Now, e-com specifically is, is substantially outgrowing the broader economy. That doesn't take a genius to say that. But we operate the largest outsourced e-fulfillment platform in Europe and have a commanding presence uh, in e-commerce in, in North America. Now, our presence, I think, will continue to grow as e-commerce continues to win market share from brick-and-mortar retail. And we also have an expertise, and this is very important, Jonathan, an expertise in reverse logistics. So for me, we are at the forefront of some very strong end markets, e-commerce being one of those. We have a strong blue-chip customer base, which drives business visibility for us. We have our customers represent a number of, of highly respected global brands, uh, including over 30% of the Fortune 100 companies. And what you have with us is a very diversified customer mix serving those end markets. And we do so efficiently. And we go back to that point of at speed and with scale. 
we do this business incredibly well for our customers. And it's a hand in glove service that we offer. We're very much integrated into the relationship of making sure that we get your product back into the front end of the store as quickly as possible so that it can be resold. Because remember, one in three items are returned when you when you think of e-commerce. And that requires a logistical solution for many customers. And it ultimately has, has been the driver of outsourcing, which is what we've seen over the past few years. And it's a major growth driver for us as a business. Fantastic. Thank you. So I just want to touch on uh, one particular technology specifically now. Um, in um, I've seen uh, some reports about tie-ups that you have with a company called uh, Balo for autonomous forklift trucks. What does this look like, Mark? Because we obviously... Looking within logistics, there's been talk of you know driverless uh, trucks for for some time. This is something that you're actually putting into into practice now. I mean, how far are we away from being uh, in a situation where all forklifts and warehouses uh, throughout the UK, Europe, and potentially North America, the rest of the world, are all being operated uh, by autonomous forklift trucks and machinery within the warehouses? But I think what you've, you've touched upon is, is the direction of travel. Clearly, automation is here to stay, and it's definitely a trend that's going to continue to grow. Warehouses are becoming increasingly more automated for efficiency, for speed, and for safety, and that includes forklifts. And what's happening here is that this is transforming the logistics industry. And quite frankly, Jonathan, it's just getting started. And I think what we do really well is, is that we, we manage the expectations of the client to fulfill the service that they want, that drives them efficiency. And we do it on a bespoke basis. This is not a one-size-fits-all offering. If we think that you know, certain cobots, certain goods-to-person vehicles, certain forklifts will work well within, a, within an outfit, then we'll do that on a dedicated basis for that customer. But it's not technology and automation for the sake of technology and automation. You know, we're ultimately about making sure that we deliver both speed and precision. And that's what we offer within our supply chain solutions. And look, supply chain solutions are becoming more and more complex. And that ultimately is driving businesses to think more and more about third-party providers. And that's what your question adheres to. It's the idea of designing and executing a transition for the customer backed by our first mover advantage and scalable software and hardware solutions. So you mentioned their first mover advantage, which moves on quite nicely to uh, my next point. When, when looking into this industry, um, you know, of course, there, there's various different players uh, in there. I mean, do you feel that we're in a bit of a race towards um, automation throughout uh, logistics? And is there a potential, do you feel, for one company to establish themselves as a major player within logistics? Or is there a wave of automation that's going through uh, all companies uh, operating in the uh, in, in the sector where we're going to see, uh, to some extent, uh, a situation where the tide of automation lifts all boats uh, with, within the, the market and all companies are going to have that level of automation? Or is there a situation where a company can get themselves in front and really become um, the, the largest player within the market? Automation covers a variety of different of different outcomes, whether it's robotics, goods to person systems, advanced sortation systems, vision technology. There's a variety of different offerings in that one word that you say, Jonathan, of, of automation. Broadly, automation delivers reliable and consistent outcomes for our customers, and it does it at speed and with accuracy. And what you see when you implement 
uh, the tools that we provide our customers, in some cases, you see four to six X productivity improvement with employees that are supported by goods to person systems. You see two X productivity improvement with employees who work alongside cobots. So there are tangible savings here. And this is therefore not just automation for the sake of automation. This is automation that drives efficiency within our offerings. Now, when you talked about this idea of, of market leadership, now the reality is, is that we're still very early on in some of these themes. If you look at e-commerce, for example, I mean, many markets are barely 20% penetrated when it comes to e-commerce. When, when you look at automation across the European market, most companies are barely 10% penetrated when it comes to automation. When you look at outsourcing, outsourcing as a theme, you're barely 30% penetrated. Jonathan, my point to you is very simple. We are literally just out the gate here as an industry. Now, the fact that we are, we are forward thinking as a business at GXO and we're leading in that regard, we have to continue that, that leadership, I feel, and we have to make sure that as one of the leaders in, in, in automation, we have to continue to innovate for our customers and not ultimately uh, rest on our laurels. You know, this is about continual focus on driving efficiency in the warehouses. Now, when it comes to thinking about the, the winner, as you say, in this industry, it goes back to my point about the flywheel effect, this idea of the fact that the scale player, the multinational player, and the person who continues to technologically innovate will ultimately come out as the winner or one of the winners. And for me, this is a highly fragment, fragmented industry. You've got about $130 billion in the outsourced logistics market today across Europe and North America. And as the number two global player, we only hold 5% of that market with our $7 billion plus of revenue. So this is, a, this is a business that is still in the early stages of its secular growth opportunities. Innovation on automation is going to play a massive part on that. It provides tangible savings. And I do hope given our focus on both customers and driving technological advancement, I do hope that it's going to continue to be one of our leading edge offerings to our customers. But we've got to make sure that we continue to drive that agenda. Um, and we'll do a good job hopefully doing so. But this is a, this is a massive opportunity in terms of efficiency savings for our customers going forwards. Um, and the market has potential room to both grow and consolidate, I believe, over the next 10 years. Thank you. So, of course, you made the case there that we're at the at the beginning of this process. And just to finish up and wrap things up here, Mark, I mean, what do you see as, as, the, as the major hurdles uh, or major changes, uh, maybe we can look at it that way, mm. for achieving widespread automation and robotics throughout logistics and contract logistics that you're operating in? I think um, timeliness to market uh, is very important. And what I mean by that is the right hardware and software solutions at the right moment for a customer. Um, there's no point, as I mentioned before, Jonathan, doing it for the sake of just doing it. Ultimately, our business provides the visibility for customers. We do a lot of demand forecasting. We've got an extremely robust um, pipeline, as you know, uh, from having read our reports. Uh, we've got extremely long duration uh, contracts where our top 20 customers have been with us for about 15 years. You know, our average contract life is, is, is just over five years and it's actually becoming more like five to 10. You need that relationship with the customer to be able to drive innovation and automation through these warehouses. This can't be done on day one. You can't just assume that, you know, you're gonna be able to, to stack and create a, a very complex solution for a customer with only six months of knowledge about a customer. 
It's a relationship. It's an integrated partnership. And it requires it, it requires work on both sides to work out exactly what the the goals are for that long-term relationship over 10, 15 years. And that's what we offer our, our, our customers. You know, that blue chip diversified customer base that I talked about. It's about managing that relationship on the technology side, not providing technology just for the sake of technology, but doing it in a way that drives precision, efficiency, and ultimately, in the case of reverse logistics, gets the product back into the store, back into the front line of operation for it to be resold. That is an important part of what we do, particularly in our e-commerce line of business. Fantastic. Mark, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. So that was Mark Manduka, who's the Chief Investment Officer of GXO, which is at the moment spinning out of XPO Logistics and set to be listed on the New York Stock Exchange in the third quarter of this year. So do check that out and have a look at it. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.